Well, here we are, everybody, um, back for another round, episode 83 this week. Um, we are all about the expansion draft, which is in July, so we are getting real close. Uh, Stanley Cup playoffs will start here shortly, uh, with 10 games or less for most of the teams this season uh, for the 56-game schedule. Uh, from the looks of it, most, if not all, will get to play all 56 games, pending anything catastrophic to close out the year, uh, and then we will get to the playoffs. Teams are clinching, the playoffs are starting to take shape, uh, so make sure you look at that. And then after that, playoffs will go. Obviously, there's some things up in the air depending on travel and border based on uh, later rounds in the playoffs. Uh, once team, once Canadian teams specifically, um, once one Canadian team specifically moves on from the Canadian division to uh, play uh, United States-based uh, teams later in the playoffs. But that bridge will get crossed once they get there um, in regards to bubbles or anything like that. Um, this week is all about the expansion draft, as is coming in July. Uh, expansion draft, entry draft, free agency, all the good stuff for the offseason in hopes of what the NHL says to be an October start for the 21-22 NHL season, um, which is the inaugural season for the Seattle Kraken, which is um, what we are dis kind of discussing this week. Um, going into details, we are expanding on expansion. Um, kind of a little play on words there for you. But episode 83 of War Room Hockey Podcast, uh, head to the necessary social media platforms, Facebook and Instagram, War Room Hockey Podcast, and at War Room Hockey Podcast, respectively. Uh, make sure you like and you follow us there. Engage with us. Uh, write, write in, share stories, ask questions, uh, anything you want to know or anything you want mentioned or anything like that. We'd be happy to give you a shout out and share that information. Um, make sure you head to Apple Podcasts and Spotify, subscribe, and then rate and review. That's the big one. Um, subscriptions are, it's all big and we appreciate all the support, uh, but ratings and reviews are the big one to help the show climb the charts uh, on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. So we appreciate the support and we appreciate uh, your continued uh, loyalty with us and um, faithfulness to, to our brand here and, and the information we give. So we appreciate it. Anyway, we're in the Hockey Podcast, episode 83, expanding on expansion this week. Enjoy. All right, well, we're back via Zoom. Nothing is in person yet, unfortunately, but we are still able, the beauty of technology is able to do it via Zoom um, to bring at least some content for our listeners. Yeah, it's good to be back again, as always. Looking uh, forward to this. Headline real quick, um, get your thoughts on it too, um, on the the ESPN TNT deal the NHL just made and what uh, what that might bring for um, quality of content. And I say that because um, I don't know if you saw it, you're not on necessarily on, um, well, I know you're not, uh, it's not a necessarily thing, it's completely, you're not on social media or anything, but... Um, one of the things that TNT did after signing the deal to promote it was they posted a graphic of Alex Ovechkin with the captain of the Edmonton Oilers. Now I say the captain of the Edmonton Oilers because I'm sure you can guess by me saying that it wasn't Connor McDavid. So they, there was a graphic of Alex Ovechkin and Andrew Ference. Oh, okay. 
and, and that, that, kind was... of made, that kind of made me chuckle because it's like you just signed a deal for to put out hockey content and you're not even with exception of Ovechkin you're not even in the relevancy of current times of, of what's going on <laughs> what's going on and so and you know well, ESPN is going to bring in Stephen A. Smith oh, you know that well if they just put I, out a, he put out a segment on ESPN a couple weeks ago uh, a segment of 15 minute segment of Stephen A. Smith all about the things that he knows about hockey and it was him going on about the things he knows about hockey. And How did he fill 15 minutes? Because he likes to talk. You know? Oh, that's true. That's true. Even, it's Stephen A. Smith. He likes to. So, and I don't, again, I don't want to get in the realm of bad mouthing anybody, but I wanted to get your thoughts on the, the new um, re- content rights media deals that have happened because TNT and ESPN have notoriously not been great with their hockey content no. in the past. So, well, and I'll I'll try not to uh, venture too far off the off topic either. But you, I'll just say that you you know I I have not watched United States ESPN in fifteen years. None. Um, I know what they're all about. They are a they're a political machine that I can't stand. Their content is weak. They're, you know, what little I've ever seen on ESPN of hockey, um, it was just soft. It's it's bad. I don't know who they're planning to have if they're going to take, you know, the NHL network is still going to be around, of course. Uh, And people like Catherine Tappan, she does a nice job there. And they've got they've got some good um, they've got some good analysts on there, Pat Sharp and Jonesy and guys like that. But in general, I look for this ESPN deal. Uh, and, and the, uh, it, who is it? Uh, who's the other network, the other cable TNT, network? TNT. Turner. TNT. It's going to be it, it, Turner. Come on. We all know what Turner's about. We all know what ESPN's about. You, you have to follow, you have to toe a certain political line there. And, and all that aside, if you, if you, if you can possibly ignore the woke rhetoric, then you're going to be left with really, really soft hockey content. You're going to be left with what I would call beginner hockey. So if all you've ever done is watched a few games on television, it's probably going to be perfectly entertaining. If you've ever played, coached, scouted, managed, been inside the room, been inside development, if you've spent a lot of time knowing a lot about the game, it's going to be it's just going to be so soft and so dumb that there'll be no point in watching it, which I won't do. I mean, we'll, we will always, I'm, I'm unhappy enough with the direction that Sportsnet and TSN have taken, as you know, starting with cutting Don Cherry loose and taking it over from CBC and re reformatting the entire hockey night in Canada. It's not about hockey and it's not about Canada anymore the only thing left of hockey night in Canada is the night part. It takes place at night. Otherwise, most of that is gone. But I, yeah. I will stop railing now. You want the short answer? It's going to stink. But most people, honestly, it, it will serve a, an entertainment audience. Yeah. If you're looking for a ho- hockey analysis, you're not going to get it. If you're looking for entertainment, it'll be fine. Yeah. 
It, yeah. makes, it makes the league money too. Yep. Right? To have yep. those things, those rights purchased and to have, you know, here's our content. We're selling it to you. Now you have the right to, you know, to put it out and that yeah. for this price. It makes, in the COVID era, it makes the league a chunk of change. And so it. And that's what they get paid to do. They, they don't get, uh, you know, Vetman's media office. And I think it's still Glenn Adamo, who I, I met back in the nineties. Um, they do a, they do a great job and they've probably negotiated what will be a very, very good deal for the ownership, which is who Gary Bettman works for. And as far as the specifics of the content, that's not their job. Yep. So, and they'll be, they'll be in lockstep because there'll be a lot of wokeness going on. Uh, but yeah, it, it'll be, it'll be good for the players and the ownership because it'll bring the cap back up post COVID to where it belongs. And, and that's what their, that's their job. Yep. Agreed. Um, also NHL preparing to adjust Stanley cup playoffs if needed, uh, given the border situation. Um, yep. um, as a hockey fan, take a positivity that um, Batman and the league seem bent on getting the playoffs completed no matter what it takes. Um, but they are willing to adjust. And I'm assuming that means going to a bubble situation or something like that again, in order to get it done. If um, teams aren't able to, to travel provincially, let alone across the border or anything like that. So um, there's that question in, in the air. That's good. And I think they've, uh, as we've talked about many times, they've done a really good job of getting the, getting the season finished and the playoffs done last year. I thought that was masterful. The bubbles went well. This year has been good, except for the fact that they can't have fans in most buildings up until recently. Um, and that's not, that's not their problem. I mean, it's their problem. It's not their, they didn't cause it. They had to they had to respond to the way that provinces and states and the government was dictating to them, which is shameful, but they got through that and we're going to have at least a reasonable, uh, a reasonable facsimile of a regular season. And I think they'll get the same thing done with the playoffs because except for Canada, things are getting done and, and changed for the positive in the United States, things are getting done at a pretty rapid level and have been since last summer. So I, I think they will figure out a way to get it done. Might mean that once the, once the first couple of rounds are over with, that the winner of the North Division has to, well, they won't have to quarantine because when they come to the United States, there's no quarantine required. So I would look for the for the uh, third and fourth round of the playoffs to all take place someplace in the United States, regardless of who's in it. Yep. Yep. Um, don't want to give too much um, attention to it, um, partly because we want to jump into our conversation, but also because I don't want um, this show to be lost in anything um, political in any way. Um, but making headlines the past week or so were the comments made by Robin Leonard. I don't know if you saw those. I saw that. Yeah. Uh, I don't agree with a lot of things about him. Um, but one thing I do back is his push um, for mental health and, yep. his, um, and um, a 
again, avoid it as much as possible. But for the sake of honesty, I do back him on his sentiment regarding the comments he made. Now, um, was there a better way to maybe have said it? Sure. Um, but the comments he made, I think, are, are factual. Um, yep. They are. The only place that he ran that he ran off course a bit was when he said the league promised that this would be this would be fixed and it'd be over. And they really didn't. I never saw where the league committed to, you know, once we're vaccinated or once the testing is over or something like that, that everything will be back to normal. I don't remember that ever happening. If it did, the league is not confessing to it because that's the first response I saw was yeah. we never promised you that. Now should they have probably i know there's been a lot you know probably everybody within the league's bubbles have been vaccinated most of the country in the united states has been vaccinated and certainly everybody at risk has been vaccinated yeah. so if you believe in the vaccine then the masks should come off and everybody should go back to work and back to the gym and back to the restaurants and everything as normal yeah. and i i totally i don't see any logic that says otherwise so I think he's just saying what everybody else is thinking, which is enough is enough. Let's yeah. get back to normal here and stop shutting things down because some young, you know, if you're, if you're a 22 year old professional athlete in the national hockey league with the heart and lungs of a lion, you are not at risk, nor should you be treated like you're at risk, whether or not you have a positive test. If you have a positive test, Stay home for a day or two. Make sure you don't get sick. But but shut down the entire team. Shut down the schedule. Shut down cities for a positive test on a person that has zero risk. No, no sense in it. I think that's where his frustration came from. And you're right. It was not said as articulately as he might have wanted. But the point context he and what he's making is accurate. Yeah. So um, yeah. it goes to the sentiment of if you're that paranoid, then just stay home. Yeah, exactly. You don't technically by definition, and this is all I'm going to say about it. We're moving on because now we're going down the rabbit hole. But um, by definition, quarantine is for the sick. Right. So if you're sick, you're quarantined. But the right. way this has been going for a year and a half now is everybody's quarantined and everybody's isolated and everybody's shut down no matter what. Yeah. Even if you're fully healthy and and all this stuff, you're, nope, sorry, you know. So um, it's it's a mess, um, so, which is why I agree with the context of what Leno said. Yep. Um, and he has if, every if you believe in If you believe in masks, then let people wear masks and go out in public. Okay, well, now here's the vaccine. Well, if the vaccine supposedly works like you claim it does, then why do you still have to wear masks and why do you still have to be isolated? Exactly. So... At some point, you have to buy into your own BS, if you will, right? with everything and either mask or no mask, vaccine or no vaccine, but pick one and go with it because, you know, this back and forth stuff of I'm vaccinated, but vaccinated, but you still have to wear a mask. I'm vaccinated, but now you have to wear two masks. You know, all this stuff is getting kind of old. And I think outside the extremes, the extreme sides of, of, the social political realm of it, the majority of people can agree that, you know, enough's enough. Let's start. We flattened the dumb curve. Yeah. We've done with that in March of last year. So why are we still floundering around? 
why are we making up new stuff every week and every month to close things up? I, and, from a and, from a revenue perspective, from a revenue perspective, sure. I think the league it, at some point here, whether it be next season or or anything, is going to have to just kind of go. We're done with the testing, and we're right. we're just we're just we're going to open our doors to the, to our buildings, and we're we're just going to play because this can only go so long where you have a flat cap and you um, either have no fans or only have fans to a certain capacity and you only this and that. It's only going to go so long right. before teams like Arizona and these teams start to flounder even more than they already have financially. So you're going to have to, plus players, right, wrong, or indifferent, call them overpaid, call them selfish, call them whatever you want, but players – want to get are going to want to get paid no matter what the situation is and you and organizations can only do that if they've got the right revenue in to to do that correct so correct. at some point you're the league's going to have to just kind of go all right we've done what we can now let's just go because we've got to make money if you if you don't feel like you're safe if you go to a hockey game then don't go to a hockey game don't renew your tickets sell them to somebody else if you want to go to the game and wear a mask, then do that. If you don't want to play and play out your contract because you feel like you're going to die of COVID, then stay home. Yeah. And, and we'll take you off of, we'll put you on long-term injured reserve and, and you can, or put you on waivers. But the players are going in debt. Mm. The money that they're getting paid this year is way more than their percentage of hockey revenue. So, they're going to have to pay that all back and it'll take two or three years to do so. So they're not only going to be making flat cap money and taking haircuts on contracts, but they're also going to be paying back all the money they got paid this year that the league did not bring in because the ownership, the national hockey league, the owners in the league, they, they financed the player salaries this year. The players are going to pay that back. So you got flat cap, now you're in debt. If you make five million this year, you probably got to pay back a million and a half next year on your five million dollar contract, plus your fifteen or twenty percent escrow and all your taxes and everything else. It's going to start to be a bloodbath for guys. And yes, I can say that a kid making five million dollars is going to take a bloodbath because he might be left with six hundred thousand bucks when it's all over with. I don't know. We haven't seen that yet, but it's got to be done. And back to your point about Robin Leonard. He has, whether you agree with him or not, or whether you agree with how he said it or not, he has purchased the right to make a mental health-based statement about how this COVID debacle has been handled, not just by the NHL, but by the government and by all the provinces, by the states, and why this has been such an absolute kerfuffle because it is a mental health issue. And he's purchased that right because he has been out uh, in public and very respectfully banging the mental health drum, which he has experienced firsthand. Yep. So don't agree with him if you change the channel, if you don't like what he's saying, but he, he belongs with that. He belongs with that forum. He belongs in that, in that uh, to have that podium. Yep. Mental health is important. So he has yep. the right to do that. Um, being said, all right, we're going to move on here um, and get into the meat of this week. 
which is uh, the details of, and the nitty gritty, if you will, of the expansion draft. Um, Seattle is coming in, the Seattle Kraken coming in um, this summer. Um, I know they've still got some decisions to make on coaching staff um, and all that stuff, um, but the expansion draft is coming. Um, and so it is coming fast. I know it, it's uh, June or July, correct? It's June as of right now. Okay. Yeah. So it's June and then uh, jump into everything else. And then they're guaranteed a, a, a pretty good chance at not only the first overall, but they're guaranteed, I believe, uh, what did we say? A top six or a top? I think they're guaranteed top six and top their six. odds to get the, to get beyond that are, are what, uh, 18% or something. I'd have to look at the, at the draft uh, lottery breakdown, but so they can, they can take seven forwards. Um, they can take teams can protect, excuse me, seven forwards, three defensemen and one goalie or eight skaters and one goalie. Correct. Entry level contracts are exempt. Uh, no movement clauses are exempt. Under three years experience are exempt. Uh, under, I think it would, I think I have it here um, and I can get to it. I think it's um, two, uh, two seasons worth of, of, of play. Um, and that's professional play. That could be professional in the play. AHL or yeah. in the coast. Yeah, that's professional but, play. Uh, Vegas is exempt, which is ridiculous, but they're exempt. Yeah. Do you, do you want to take the lead on that Vegas discussion or do you want me to? Because that has to be said, that's got to be part of any expansion draft discussion has to be the fact that as of this recording, as of the end of April, the Vegas Golden Knights have won 10 in a row. Yeah. They are at the top of the NHL rankings. They are ranked number one in the power rankings, which is goal differential. They've won 10 games in a row. They've been at the top of the league since they, since they won their first game three years ago, and they're still there, and they are still exempt from giving up a player. Yeah. This, I, I'm all for it. The money says I, I want the right to have a good team, but this has been over, overdone. It's over, well, it's overdone. It would, to me, I'd say they could be exempt if Seattle came in the league last year or the year before. Right. But once you get to three years or five years, now, okay, you're a, an established organization within the league, and yep. why you're exempt is just ridiculous. Yeah. Um, so now every team is every, – especially in the flat cap COVID era, every team is bound to lose a quality player. Correct. Not just a not just an unprotected piece, a quality player, except Vegas. So now so you're basically guaranteed with the that Seattle and Vegas now are going to be the top two teams in the NHL moving forward because Vegas doesn't lose an Alex Tuck or a or somebody like that because they're exempt from having to 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 lose a player. Yep. So um, as you as the listener evaluates what what is going to happen to his favorite team or her favorite team's roster you you just simply look at uh take subtract all the no move clauses subtract whether you whether your team is going to protect the logical choice would be to protect seven forwards defense uh seven forwards four defensemen and a goaltender that would make the most sense so to then beyond those 12 players, 
subtract anyone who is has less than three years service as a professional. Um, and there are some quirks to that rule, uh, depending on your age. But it, so if you are if you are 20 years old prior to December 31st, you're exempt yep. uh, unless you have played 11 games or more for at least the last two or three seasons, which is nearly impossible to be 18 and have more than two seasons of service in any professional league. Uh, if it's if you are over 20 from December 31st on, then it's only one game constitutes a, a season. So yep. that's not going to be a big factor, most likely. But your entry level guys, as you said, exempt uh, your let's call it 12 guys that you're going to protect then take uh, among those have to be your no move clauses unless they wave. Sorry. Unless they wave. Unless they wave that. Correct. They can wave the no move clause, but if they don't though, they are, they count against protected list. Um, Seattle must take, must draft at least 14 forwards, nine right. defensemen and three goaltenders goal at least. And that, that's 26. They get to draft 30, obviously, one from each team. So once they've got their minimums, they can take whatever else they, they want or need from yep. the exposed pool. 20 of those players must be under contract during the 21-22 season. Exactly. And then uh, they must stay compliant with the $81.5 million salary cap. Yep. Um, but they must take at least uh, 48 Point nine million dollars worth of salary for next season. Run Seattle, what's that? Won't run that by me again. So um, they Seattle must stay compliant with the eighty-one and a half million dollars salary cap, yep. but must take at least forty-eight point nine million dollars worth of salary for next season. Correct. Okay. So they, that's their that's their salary minimum, basically, yep. right? So basically, that's the, the the cap floor. Basically, they're saying that you must have at least forty eight point nine million under Correct. contract worth of salary, but you have to stay compliant, as in not go over the eighty one and a half. Is basically what is being said. Yeah. Um, Seattle will have the opportunity to negotiate with pending UFAs and RFAs before the other thirty one teams. That way, they can reach the limit in July. Um, players must, here you go. Players must have played two full professional seasons by the end of 2021. Right. Which is, um, based on the rules from the NHL, which is at least nine games per season of two of the two professional seasons, which is AHL or the NHL. Um, a team must expose at least two forwards and one defenseman who have played at least 27 games in 2020 and 2021 or 54 games from 2019 to 2021 under contract for next season. And a goalie who is uh, either, either under contract or will be a, an RFA. Yeah. The team must expose a goalie under contract who is under contract for 21-22 or can become an RFA after this season. Yeah. Now, so, now help me explain that a little bit to me. Does, um, and this might be me overlooking it. Does that mean that if a goaltender is becoming a UFA after this year, 
therefore isn't under contract with somebody, they're exempt from being taken without having to be protected? Or Good how question. How, and, and I say that personally from, from a, a personal avalanche perspective, just simply on the basis of uh, Dubnik is a no-move cause. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, he, he has a no-move cause. Didn't know that. But Grubauer is a UFA after this year. So they can expose Landeskog. He and Landeskog are UFAs after this year. So the reason I ask for clarification on that is simply because I too am st still like to learn things. And based on the wording of that, would that mean that because Grubauer is not under contract for 21-22, that he is exempt from having to be protected, but also exempt from even being taken by Seattle? because he's not an RFA, but he's also not under contract for next year. He, that's a curious he, thought for me. I believe, and that's, that's a little bit complex, but my understanding is, if I have this correct, he is eligible because he is UFA, correct? Yep. He not a, he's not gonna be an RFA at the end of the year. No. Okay, he's UFA, he is, eligible to be left unprotected or he's he is eligible to be left un, unprotected but seattle gets to negotiate with him prior right. to so they can the, negotiate the with him as a free agent right but in terms of selecting him from the avalanche as a pick in the expansion draft is he exempt on all levels because he's not under wouldn't be under contract and it, isn't an RFA. They are required to expose a goaltender who is under contract or will be an RFA. So if, if they don't have him signed at least for one more season, then I don't believe he is eligible to be left unprotected. Even though Seattle would get the first opportunity to negotiate a, a deal with him, I don't right. believe he qualifies. I think they, it has to be someone under contract, which now if Dubnik is, is uh, in a no-move clause, then they have to protect him. They have no choice. So now what do you Unless do? Unless he waves. Unless he waves. And this was kind of my argument uh, last week when I mentioned when I mentioned it. Unless this was um, Sackick's magic with how he did it. And that is... You know, because Dubnik's on the tail end of his career. So I'll pull you out of San Jose, who, while they're playing pretty good hockey and they're right there to make the fourth seed, right? They're competing, they're whatever. The likelihood is they don't make it. So I'll pull you out of San Jose, give you another chance with a competitive team to make a deep playoff run, and potentially maybe win a Stanley Cup. We'll give you that run. We do that for you. Then, because this is a um, expansion here, you then waive your no move clause, and we put you up, and we give you a chance to still continue to play hockey if Vegas, if Seattle chooses to to take you. Right. Therefore, you then combine that with what I believe I understand this point that we were just talking about to mean for for somebody like Grubauer, and now we've exposed you. And now we can protect 
a Francois or a, you know somebody like that. Right. Knowing that Grubauer and Francois, unless Grubauer decides, yes, I'm going, I'm signing in in Seattle or somewhere, then you know that you can get Grubauer resigned and have Francois, and you've still got a goalie tandem. My guess. So unless guess that's the way it works, I I would hope that you're right, and that, that would make sense to me that there has been a there's been a handshake deal that at the end of the year we'll miraculously see Dubnik. Uh, waiving his no move clause in in return for being traded to a contender, getting a chance to run his value up in case he can sign an extension with someone, and that that someone is more likely to be Seattle than anybody else in the league right now. Yeah. So that would make the most sense for Devin Dubnik, for Joe Sackick, and for Doug Wilson in San Jose to have made that deal. Yeah. So anyway, wanted to use the avalanche as, a, as an example because I know a lot about them. But um, I, that's a question I had when I when I read that point of what that could mean for a situation like that, where uh, you know, and everything like that. But anyway, um, here's an interesting note too on the injury front for the expansion draft: um, players with potential career-ending injuries who have missed the last sixty-plus games. 60 plus consecutive games due to injury yeah in certain cases could be deemed exempt from the expansion draft selection process right so if you've missed 60 plus games due to injury depending on the circumstance you could be deemed exempt which means a team gets to protect you simply because of your injury um Potentially. It, that's not a guarantee, but in certain cases, it could mean that. I, I believe that is a, that's a, not necessarily a discretionary thing, but the league can look at a guy. Um, let's say, let's just say, for example, it was McDavid with the knee injury uh, a year and a half ago. They look at him and go, okay, yeah, that he hasn't played the last X number of games. So technically he's not qualified to be, uh, taken in the expansion draft, but you know, he's, they can make that. What I'm saying is they can make an exception. I think there's no a lot. Of, that's the one part of this where the league seems to have written in some, like we'll review the, these injury issues. And right. so if there's a, somebody who's been on LTIR, uh, take a Kucherov, for example, or something like that. And he may not be the right guy because of no move or something. But if there's somebody on LTIR, the league can step in and say, yes, but he's been cleared to play starting in August or September or whatever. And, and they can review that. And so that's, that's the one part of the expansion rules where there is some discretion, some gray area. Yeah. Um, here's a question on no move causes. Um, kind of get your insight a little bit on what you might know about it. Um, guys, like, for example, I'm looking at it here, uh, Chicago. Brent Seabrook is a no-move clause, but he's also retired. Right. Um, now, does he, because he's still under contract, listed under contract because he retired early, would he still count against Chicago as a, protected guy or does he come off the board because he's retired once you officially when you retire like ryan miller just announced that he's going to retire at the end of the year 
teams are going to guys like that and saying, and, and Brent Seabrook's a great example. I'm glad you brought that up. Once you, you have to file, you have to file retirement, official retirement with the, with the league office. So once that's done, your insurance, your contract, your, you know, your uh, exposure to things like uh, um, whether you have any time remaining on your contract, your, your liability to pay escrow and things like that, everything is affected once you sign your official retirement document, which is, by the way, on a related topic, which is where Dustin Bufflin got in trouble last year. Because right. at the season, he filed, he filed his retirement document, said, I'm leaving. And then a few months later came back and said, well, I want my $8 million salary because I have this ankle injury. But he had already cleared his retirement physical. So he was not eligible to get that pay or uh, the long-term injured reserve pay for being an active player. So in the question, if I'm, <laughs> if I haven't lost myself already, Brent Seabrook is not necessary. They will not need to protect him because he has filed his league documents. Okay. He's filed for retirement. So no. Okay. Um, let's see. Okay. Uh, expansion draft here is July 21st. Okay. So it's not June. It's July 21st. Oh, okay. The last I saw it was June. Okay. So July 21st. Yeah. Protection lists need to be finalized by July 17th. Seattle will have um, their exclusive negotiating rights with free agents window from July 18th to the 21st. Um, if the Kraken sign a UFA in that window, that counts as their selection against the roster of that player's former team. Perfect. Okay. So that makes sense. So, like, to continue on the example we made, if they don't have, for example, if Colorado doesn't have Grubauer re-signed by that point, and Seattle negotiates with him because that's the goalie they want, and right. he signs, that is, the, that is the player selection from Colorado. Now Colorado doesn't have to worry about anybody else being taken or having to negotiate trade-wise or this or that to protect this guy, Grubauer's the guy they selected, if that's the UFA that Seattle signs. Okay, so that clarifies it. Okay. Right. That um, makes sense. And, and along those lines, this is, where the, this is where the back room deals take place. This is where the bar napkin and a beer deals happen because – if if Sackick and and uh, Ronnie Francis get together and decide that well I really want I want Grubauer and Sackick says no I'm not I'm going to protect him I'm going to sign him and protect him and Francis says okay well uh, you know I really want him so that will make everybody else exempt on your entire roster I won't take any of your any of your guys with my with my extra four picks after I've taken all my required guys, I still have four picks left. I'm not, you're done. And if you'll let me take Gruby and not have to worry about any of the rest of your roster, I'll give you a second round pick right, or something to that effect. And that's how these back or, or I'll leave, uh, I'll leave, uh, um, I don't know, one of, one of your Connor Timmons, for example, I'll leave him alone. 
or yeah, because he he would qualify. I'll leave Connor, Connor Timmons alone, but you give me a third rounder, right, or a second rounder, or whatever. And those that's how you that's how Francis will stockpile draft picks for the future right. and build a decent roster, and then everybody gets what they want. On that note, um, in my research, I found an article from Sportsnet um, titled Nine, Nine Teams with Interesting Conundrums Ahead of the Expansion Draft. Um, and in the introduction to the article, in the introduction to the article, they talk exactly about that. They talk, um, let's see, let me find it here. They talked about um, uh, when the Knights had their expansion draft, George McPhee made side trades with a number of teams. Yes. These would give Vegas an extra asset or two for taking a specific player instead of a more valued one who couldn't exactly. be protected. Um, looking back, and I'm quoting here again, um, no plagiarism on our part here, look, quoting the article, looking back, a few of those turned out unnecessary um, and with Vegas finishing well on top. Uh, for instance, um, Anaheim traded Shea Theodore to Vegas so Vegas, that they... So that the they so that they would take Clayton Stoner instead of uh, Josh Manson. Um, again, Shea Theodore, they must not have been high on him in Anaheim, but um, Florida dealt Riley Smith to Vegas, mm-hmm. who also then took Jonathan Marcheseau. Uh The question being, have GMs learned something from the 2017 expansion draft thus meaning they might not be so eager to fall into similar traps with Seattle. Um, you better believe it. They have that experience to draw from, and they've been able to plan things out about the expansion draft for some times. Then again, the flat cap is a variable no one saw coming, uh, so there will still be unavoidable situations where losing a good player is inevitable, inevitable and a side deal may be appealing. Um, Quote, here, here's a quote from Ron Francis. We're certainly hoping there's a lot of different opportunities. Um, that he, It's a quote from his post-trade deadline call. Um, there's a lot of different ways you can look at things. So we're analyzing everything and having those discussions. It'll be interesting to see um, what they do with some of their players, especially RFAs with arbitration rights this summer and managing their cap. Francis continued, a lot of teams have some really good young players whose contracts are coming up. It's a challenge to find money to pay those guys. We're looking at all those different situations and a lot of different teams and trying to see if there's something there that makes sense for us. Um, interesting, interesting stuff to see. It'll be interesting to see with COVID, the flat cap, all that stuff, if, how GMs handle it, especially after the pitfalls and traps of the 2017 situation uh, to where maybe Anaheim doesn't lose another Shea Theodore, maybe they, you know, and all that stuff. So, um, yes. Uh, I'll tell you what, the the short answer to all this is there is no short answer because each team is going to have to look at each guy and going to look at their salary cap, see who's coming next year, who's coming off the cap this season, who we, who are we going to have to sign next year. You're going to make, make these player exposures contingent on presuming flat cap uh, seeing who's in your pipeline that's going to be up for a new contract next season, because this season will be will have been over. Uh, who you can afford, who you can't. Eight players' ages, players' uh, eligibility based on no moves and things like that. It, this is an extremely complex equation to come up with who who gets left un, unprotected, and uh, and who do you 
you know, who do you really, there's going to be guys in your system that are qualified that you're going to have to protect or lose or face losing. But my God, you can't, you can't protect them all. So that's where those side deals get made. Yes. My, my guy here, uh, you know, Zach Hyman, I don't want to lose him, but, and, and you want him, but, if I throw in a if if I throw in a second rounder next year, will you leave him alone? Will you take uh, you take Pierre Engvall instead? So there's all there's going to be a, so much of that going on. Like these guys won't sleep for for a month prior to this whole thing. Yep. Well, transitioning, we'll, we'll close out here with uh, the again continuing with the article. The teams that they've listed. Uh, who are facing some interesting situations. We'll see how much of it we agree with to kind of close out the expansion draft discussion. Uh, they start in the article here with Sportsnet with Colorado. Uh, Colorado, um, based based on the article, it said that uh, what Colorado needs to happen is for Eric Johnson to waive his no-move clause. Mm-hmm. Um, however, even if he does that, and I'm quoting the article here, the Avalanche will stand to lose a good player or be looking to make a deal. Um, if Johnson does waive, his contract expires in 2023. Uh, the Avs would have a um, ch- tough choice between protecting eight skaters or seven forwards and 3D. Uh, the former would leave the Avs having to expose uh, Burakovsky, Donskoy, Jost, Nichushkin. The latter would likely expose Ryan Graves, um, yeah. who is a 25-year-old defensive uh, defensive blue liner who has another two years on an on a affordable 3.1 million dollar contract. Uh, the other thing facing Colorado, still quoting the article here, Gabe Landeskog is a pending UFA, um, but it's safe to count him among the protected in anticipation of him getting an extension. Um, it's possible he's left unsigned and unprotected with a deal lined up to re-sign with Colorado afterwards. That would open up another forward protection slot in either scenario, but maybe too risky of a proposition. So there's that interesting thing. Um, the Colorado situation is closed out in the article by saying if Johnson doesn't waive his no-move clause, then things get murky. Along with him, there's Gerard, McCarr, and Taves, who all need to be protected, uh, forcing the Avs into the eight-skater route and leaving Seattle to choose from any of the forwards mentioned above or Ryan Gray. Because it, do, it, it does create the situation um, for Colorado of um, who, who you protect if, if – no move clauses are waived and everything goes well in that regard. Who do you protect? Because you won't, you can either go eight skaters and protect all of Gerard, McCarr, Taves, and Graves. But that leaves you four forwards to protect, which McKinnon, Rantanen, Landeskog, and one more. Right. Or you protect seven forwards, 3D, which is likely Gerard, McCarr, and Taves. Yeah opening up a Ryan Graves. So they either way they're looking to lose somebody. The beauty of Colorado's system with their with their pipeline is you've got a Bowen Byram, um, you've got a Timmins, which they're still hopeful on. Um, you've got an Alex Newhook, you've got uh, Sample Ranta, you've got all these young guys that are still there, uh, Martin Kaut, a Logan O'Connor, um, things like that. On the back end, what's that? You can only lose one. 
Yeah. And on the back end, you you got a guy that I've told you um, personally that I that I really like, um, which is Jacob McDonald. So yeah. you've still got him on the back end. Yeah. Um, so I don't want to see Graves or anybody go, but it, that was a, that's the interesting situation for for a team like Colorado. Well, I, I'll just I'll close up this discussion this way. I heard a GM say just a couple of days ago that a former GM say that when he was in the chair, it was important for him during his career to never make a like a ridiculously lopsided trade. So if a guy phones and says, uh, you know, I, I understand you're interested in uh, you're interested in JT Comfort. Okay, yeah, what do you want for him? And I say, well, I'm interested in so-and-so. An honest GM will say, I've watched this kid develop since he was 15. You don't want him. He won't fit with you. He won't fit with your coaching staff, which is another thing I'll get to in just a second. But the bottom line was you treat these other guys right, and most of the time, especially in a case where Joe Sackick and Ronnie Francis played together for Team Canada for years, they played against each other for 15 years. Um, if you're treating each other with respect, Joe can go to Ronnie Francis and say, who are you looking at? Like, here's who I'm thinking about exposing. Who are you going to take or who do you want? And if we have to make a deal so I can protect this guy and you can take any one of these other four or five other guys, like what will that cost me? Will that cost me a conditional third rounder, a second rounder? If you make the playoffs, it'll cost this. Like those are the kind of deals that you want to make because you're honest with them and you don't put, you, you know, we joke about a GM who's drowning because his goaltender's hurt and somebody's always ready to throw you an anchor. If you don't do that, you certainly have the odds in your favor that it's going to come back and help you. The other thing that Francis has to do between now and then is look at his coaching staff because as you know, as well as anybody, the team and the coaching staff have to, they have to get along. Your leadership on that team, your veterans that you're going to take in that draft and the style of play that you want to, that you want to play you you know you look at look how bad it was when Tortorella was in Vancouver. There that was just a bad fit. Yep. Uh, there are bad fits everywhere. There are great fits. Daryl Sutter with the Kings years ago. You have to have a coaching staff that can communicate with your guys, especially with your leaders. And you have to draft a team. You can't draft a major up tempo fast team with a guy that doesn't coach that way. Right. So this is all going to have to come together before these decisions are made as well, because I would, I would guarantee you right now, Ronnie Francis has no idea who he's going to take just yet. He's yeah. waiting for too many things to take place. Would it be a negative then that they, that he is yet to have a coaching staff? Yes. This, he needs to at least put a head coach in place bef before long. He needs to have a head coach and, you know, if his, if his scouting and player development and his uh, assistance in, the, in that whole assembly of a roster, uh, if those aren't in place soon, it's going to be more and more troublesome for him. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. Help um, clo close out, finish real quick. We'll run through these other teams they have listed in this article that face some situations. Don't have to go into too much detail. Just run through it real quick. Edmonton. Uh, there's a lot of factors in Edmonton. Uh, Oscar Clefbaum, who's not played a game this season uh, due to a shoulder injury, 
Um, let's see, Clef Bomb would have been an auto protect before, but now there's at least some question about his long-term health. Mm -hmm. um, the other factor is how Ken Holland will handle his key UFAs. Uh, Adam Larson, Nugent Hopkins, Tyson Berry are all up. If And if any of them resigns before the expansion draft, they'd likely be protected. Uh, Nugent Hopkins resigns. The Oilers will have to have to do a 7-3-1 uh, situation or else they'd be leaving Pugliarvi or Yamamoto un unprotected. Um, leaving him unsigned would give Edmonton flexibility to protect more defensemen, but that brings big risk. Nugent Hopkins doesn't return. Um, if the Oilers take the most likely course and do use the 731 protection method, the decision of Clef on Clefbaum loom, looms large. Darnell Nurse will take up one slot. Ethan Bear could fill another. Uh, if Larson or Barry resigns and Clefbaum takes up a slot, suddenly Ethan Bear is the one who gets left unprotected. Uh, then there's Caleb Jones, who seemingly could only be protected if the UFA defenseman, if the UFA defenseman don't resign and and Clefbaum is exposed. Yet another team that could lose a guy like Ethan Bear, who is a who is a solid guy, um, all centered around the question, kind of like Colorado, there's a question of one guy and whether or not he, he's either protected or do, uh, does or does not waive his no move clause. Um, another team, which is the surprise team of the year, if you ask me, um, did not see them being where they are, Minnesota. Uh, Potential of waiving a no movement clause is a huge factor in Minnesota's plans. Again, have to reiterate this every now and then. Quoting the article, uh, this is did not all come from me. Quoting the Sportsnet article, uh, Zach Parise, Matt Zuccarella, Jared Spurgeon, Ryan Suter, and Jonas Brodeen all have no move clauses. Um, most of them would be players you would choose to protect anyway, um, but would say Parisi waive his clause to give them the team more flexibility. Um, if he doesn't, the Wild find themselves in a spot where they'll have to make a side deal or lose a solid player. Um, without any waived clauses, the Wild could make Matt Dumba their fourth protected defenseman and be able to protect two more forwards between Fiala, Eriksson Ek, and Greenway. Uh, however, those are three of their top five scorers this season, and all are under 25 years of age. Um, on Or the Wild could protect each of those three, plus another couple of forwards, maybe a re-signed Nick Benino, um, and leave Matt Dumba unprotected. In this scenario, perhaps they look to trade Dumba elsewhere before protected lists are due. Um, at that point, you could trade Dumba for a couple of draft picks, and now you lose the the conundrum of, well, what do we do if we um, have to protect him? Um, there's a goalie to consider too, with Capo Kakinen protected. Cam Talbot could be a goalie option after his strong season. Uh, he is signed through 2023. Um, all this uh, to, set, to suggest that the Wild are an excellent candidate to make a side deal with Seattle, just as they did with the Golden Knights. In that expansion draft, the Wild sent Alex Tuck to Vegas. Right. Uh, for a third round draft pick. So they wouldn't take Eric Fowler or Eric Halla, sorry, in the expansion draft instead of someone like Dumba. Um, and Tuck remains a solid goal, goal scorer in Vegas while Halla scored 29 in his first season with the team, but has since moved on. What you're going to see is the better your team is, the more depth you have. That's the whole idea behind the expansion draft. You got Let's say you got 15, 20 really good teams, playoff-bound teams, 
Stanley Cup contenders. The idea is to poach somebody decent from them because they've got the depth. You get down to uh, Detroit or somebody like that, they don't have the depth. Ottawa's in the catbird seat because most of their prospects are on entry-level deals anyway, so protecting who they need there is going to be much simpler. But you get down to the teams that are really struggling and in a rebuild, and I use the Detroit Red Wings as an example, they, they shouldn't be exposed to losing a really good player or a good prospect. It's the, you know, it's the contenders, and that was, that's the design of it. And it, you know, nobody likes to lose a good player, but if you've got, if you've got 17 of them and you're going to lose one, that's the price you pay for being really good. Yep. And, and that's the way it should work, I guess. So, but what, ultimately what you're going to see is you're going to see Seattle end up with some very good players, just like, like Vegas did. And where they take somebody that you go, why would he, why would they take him instead of, you know, why would they take this guy instead of Dumba or somebody else? It's because they got a second round pick or they got a conditional first rounder in, in uh, the next draft or something. So you're going to get a bunch of good players. You're going to get probably 13, 14 good players. You're going to get an extra dozen draft picks to leave people alone. And then at the end of the, uh, at the end of the whole uh, procedure, you're going to go into training camp with 30 really good guys to work with. So, and it, that's, that's the one thing that has worked out well. And, and there's very smart people to put this together. Next team in the article, Carolina. Carolina is a team that falls in uh, on the um, basis that their expansion draft outlook is dependent on how they handle their UFAs. Uh, Dougie Hamilton is um, a UFA after this year. Um, and based on his play this season is likely due a big pay raise. Um, if he's unsigned and unprotected, you have to at least speculate that Seattle makes a big push for him. Um, the other speculation is that uh, the Hurricanes are likely to go the 7-3-1 protection route uh, with the number of forwards they have and the fact that Jordan Stahl takes up one spot with his no-move clause. Um, if Hamilton is resigned, uh, Jake Bean, an RFA this summer, would likely shake, shake available, and that's a player Francis chose in the first round when he was GM in Carolina. Um, if he, if Hamilton is unprotected and Seattle doesn't work out a deal with him, Seattle would likely choose between Warren Fogel, Jesper Faust, or Brady Shea. Um, the other interesting question that Carolina's facing is in goal. Uh, James Reimer and Peter Morazic are set to be UFAs this offseason, um, leaving uh, Nedeljkovic as the one goalie to be protected. Yeah. Um, but should Morazic ink an extension before the draft, suddenly Nedokova could be an option for Seattle if Morazic is then protected. St. Louis is next. St. Louis will continue to just move on here. St. Louis, um, uh, here in the article, um, it's, it states that they think that St. Louis is one of the teams that has learned a hard lesson on what Vegas um, did. Um, and he, the author of the article says, and I say that with the utmost respect for George McPhee, um, at that time of sort of manipulating the NHL to work under the, to work under as the puppet master. Um, uh, interesting to see your take on if you agree with that sentiment. Um, but, um, 
the article is quoted as saying, I think teams are less likely to have that happen again. Um, Blues GM Doug Armstrong said after the 21 trade deadline. So that was a quote from, from Blues. So that quote was not actually from the author of the article. That was from Doug Armstrong. Doug Armstrong. Okay. When he said that I think everyone has learned a lesson on Vegas. And I say that with respect for George McPhee at the time of sort of manipulating the NHL to work under as the puppet master. I think teams are less likely to have that happen again. Um, he, Doug Armstrong said, he said, I think everyone was a little more cautious of what was coming up at the expansion draft. Yeah. Um, the Blues stood pat at this year's deadline, which didn't make their expansion draft situation any more clear. Uh, the question here revolves around one big decision on blue line, assuming Pareko, Krug, and Falk will be protected. That leaves Vince Dunn hanging in the balance. Um, mm. Protect him, and you're going to expose a few forwards who would provide Seattle with a range of choice. Leave him unprotected, and you're surrendering a 24-year-old quality puck mover who is an RFA this offseason. Uh, Dunn has been in the trade rumor mill for over a year now, so seeing that wrap up in a, in a freebie loss to Seattle would be an underwhelming asset management and yep. not what we'd expect to happen under Armstrong. But yep. keeping him and the other three defensemen protected would leave Seattle to choose from either David Perron, who is Vegas's second leading scorer in their inaugural season, Robert Thomas, or, or perhaps Jaden Schwartz. Um, either way, the Blues stand to lose a very notable um, player if Armstrong doesn't work out a side deal in advance. Right. Yeah, that's that's the tough one, and, the, and that's a perfect example. And I know you've got other teams to talk about, but that's a that's a really good example. The fact that I wouldn't I would protect Vince Dunn at all costs, along with Pareko, uh, be more likely to to let a guy like Krug go, and certainly Justin Falk. Krug's not fit in very well so far there. Yep. So uh, next team is Nashville. Uh, Nashville, um, per this article, the next team is Nashville, uh, barring a trade. To set them up differently, the Preds are as locked in as an eight-skater protection team as you can be. Uh, defensemen Roman Yossi, Ekholm, Ellis, and Fabro all need to be protected from Seattle. Up front, Philip Forsberg, Arvidsson are locks to be protected, but after that, there are many possibilities. Uh, Luke Coonan would seem to be a candidate for one of those the last two spots. Uh, David Poyle said he was open to resigning Michael Granlund, so if that happens, he'd, he'd account for... Uh, for the other spot, the protected spot. Uh, the question too in Nashville is how likely is it that both Ryan Johansson and Matt Duchesne are left unprotected? Uh, Isn't Duchesne on a no move? I, let me finish reading here and see if it says. Yeah, go ahead. I'll, I'll take uh, a look. Both Johansson and Duchesne have struggled this season, and both are signed with an 8 million AAV through 26 and 25, respectively. Uh, no doubt Poyle wouldn't mind shedding one of those deals off his cap and giving him some flexibility to change the roster around a bit, but Seattle might still need a sweetener to take either of those contracts. What would uh, David Poyle be willing to do to make that happen? Um, question is cap space. Uh, cap space is one of the best weapons you can have right now, so Seattle starting fresh can leverage theirs, but also must be careful where they do put those dollars down and what they get in uh, what they get in trade for taking a bad contract. Um, basically, it's a situation by situation. It's going to depend on the player. It's going to depend on the AAV. It's going to depend on the term of contracts, Ron Francis is quoted as saying. Or certainly, He's got a 17-no no trade. 
Duchesne? Yeah. He submits, the player submits a seven-team no-trade clause. Yeah. And so right. if he, he hamstrings you if he submits Seattle to be right. one of them. Francis uh, also said, we're certainly open to having those discussions, but it's a case-by-case evaluation as to whether it makes sense for us short-term or long-term. Um, question, the, the other team for here for you uh, that hits home for you, Toronto. Um, at least per this article, they have Toronto. Um, it's very likely Travis Dermott will be Seattle's pick. That's was I was, um, yeah. Um, and that... Um, Toronto will protect eight skaters and to go the eight skater route. Um, Matthews, Tavares, Nylander, and Marner are the forwards to protect. Riley, Muzzin, Brody, and Hall uh, would be the four defensemen. Um, yep. However, it's not at that simple. Um, every Leafs fan is wondering what the future holds for Zach Hyman. Um, they got to sign him. A critical piece of the team, but one who has earned a raise that just might price him out of Toronto. Yeah. Um, if there is a compromise to be had here uh, and Hyman is able to say to stay suddenly, suddenly the Leafs would have to go the seven, three, one protection route. Um, instead the Leafs would end up protecting more forwards than they really need to and would be left exposing one of their four defensemen mentioned above. Yeah. It's of course possible Hyman is left unsigned and unprotected and then comes back to re-sign the Leafs after expansion. But that close to free agency and knowing there there would be a number of suitors for him, it's a risk the Leafs may not want to take. Uh, Seattle may even be able to offer him a competitive and attractive contract in their negotiating window. Um, Hyman's pending contract is an issue that looms um, over Toronto's offseason for plenty of on-ice reasons, um, but how the negotiation plays out will also impact the Leafs' plans for the expansion draft. Well, that. That's the whole, that's where this, I mean, this is a very, very broad encompassing decision. I don't know what uh, Zach Hyman is asking for. I know that everybody on that roster is screaming at Kyle Dubas to keep him. But if he's asking for a lot of money, then maybe you do have to expose a Jake Muzzin and keep a Travis Dermott. Because Muzzin's a 5.6, and maybe Hyman thinks he's going to come up with a $4 million deal or something. I, I you know, I know, I know Rasmus Sandin looks really good on the back end. Uh, it, a lot of it boils down to what Hyman is expecting, but I would, I would say that barring him expecting a huge payday, uh, which is not coming up during the flat cap, I, I don't see him going anywhere. They'll, there will be a move to either make a side deal or change the protection to seven, three, and one to keep him and then expose a, a guy like Muzzin or somebody. Uh, last two teams per our, for our discussion here for the article is Calgary and Dallas. Uh, Calgary first. Um, one look at Calgary's roster, and you can see that they likely have to go the seven, three, one protection route. Um, there's just too many forwards who need protecting. One forward who has to be protected is Lucic. Um, eh, you know how I feel about Lucic. But, yeah, he's got um, the no move, so they don't have any choice. Yeah. Um, unless, as expected, he waives his no movement clause. Right. The intrigue is on defense uh, with Mark Giordano, uh, who could be left available. Uh, Noah Hannafin, uh, Rasmus Anderson, and Chris Tanev, mm-hmm. all in need of protection. Even if Lucic does waive, the Flames might still elect to protect another younger forward, such as Dylan Dubé right. or Glenn Gobbin. 
would Seattle be willing to take a 38-year-old Giordano heading into his final contract? That's a question. Uh, that might depend on what else is available around the league and what they're trying to accomplish with the roster build in the short term. Uh, if they have designs on shooting out of the gate fast like Vegas, uh, having the leadership and minutes you'd get from Giordano, if only for one guaranteed season, might be nice to think about. Uh, however, the biggest thing to watch with Calgary is how much of this will even apply to them come late July. A roster upheaval is anticipated, yeah. um, like has been rumored for a while. Uh, there's no way you can go into a new season with this exact same core and expect a different outcome or one remotely close to contending for a cup. Changes are going to happen, uh, so how much of the roster will look different by the time protection lists are due? Teams with upheaval coming, like Calgary, is expected to have and is very necessary. They're going to be they're going to be the last ones to submit their protection list. There, because there is so much unanswered there. They're going to be trying to deal people. They're going to be trying to re-sign guys. Uh, and, and then they'll figure out the expansion list when all that's done. But that's, this is a roster that needs a lot of turnover. This is not a happy place right now. And finally, Dallas. We'll close things out this week with our discussion with Dallas here. Uh, Dallas is listed in the article um, as, say, as saying that uh, Jamie Alexiak is their pending UFA. Um, but he was not dealt the deadline despite interest from teams like Winnipeg. Um, right. That would leave the Stars having to protect eight skaters with Alexiak, Heiskanen, Klingberg, and Lindell all taking up a slot on the blue line. It would also leave them with tough decisions up front. Tyler Sagan, Jamie Benn, and Radulov all have no movement clauses. Right. We're already left there with one protection slot. Uh, Rupe Hints um, and his breakout explosion – uh, would be a a no-brainer choice to protect, but that also then leaves the likes of Radic Foxa, uh, Gurianov, um, and even Joe Pavelski as unprotected. Yeah, um, and that's probably the route they're going to end up going. Yeah, you might look at Pavelski's age and think he'd be easy to let go of in any scenario uh, with one year left, but he is their leading scorer and an <laughs> X factor come playoff time, um, if Dallas even makes the playoffs this year. Um, Plus, take a look at how the bottom uh, fell out of San Jose when he left that dressing room, uh, despite the fact he left a pretty good roster behind. Um, closing on Dallas, if Alexiak doesn't need to be protected or a side deal is worked out, it gets a lot easier for Dallas, who would then likely lose Jason Dickinson or a goalie, unless they're going to take the chance of leaving Pavelski exposed anyway. So... Nine or ten teams there with some interesting questions heading into the expansion draft. Um, but if you think about it with um, the flat cap and COVID and things, it's hard to say. It's hard to just say only ten have interesting. Um, I was just going to say that. That's only I, nine. I would argue that 31 teams have interesting um, decisions coming up um, based on roster upheavals, rebuilds, um, players they want or need to protect side deals to make who do they, what route do they go eight skaters or seven, three and one. So it, I think, um, I think it's nice um, for, for clicks and things on articles um, to really narrow it down to a certain few teams that might have the biggest questions. Um, But I, I think especially in, in this time with the flat cap, all 31 teams have at least one, interesting situation they've got to navigate so 
correction, 30 teams. Because 30, right, 30. Yeah. Can't Vegas, forget that Vegas is miraculously so special and exempt. Vegas is going to be busy sobering up from their Stanley Cup parade, apparently, when, uh, when everybody else is scrambling around through the protection and off-season signings and trade deals. I say, I say this and, and watch them win the cup, but the best thing for me in this in this case, because they've been treated with kid gloves like they're so freaking special, is that flat cap this and whatever that that they just they don't get it done, and now they have no choice but to blow up a roster. And it is what it is. Rather than hey, maybe I'll lose a guy and free up some some cap room by losing a, a guy to Seattle. Ooh, okay. Well, now because we were treated as special, we didn't do that, and we still didn't win the cup. So now, well, crap. What do we do? Well, think about this. Think about somebody that you might want to dump off your roster, and I'm not going to pick on anyone on that Vegas roster because they're a heck of a good team. But somebody you can't afford to keep, you need to clear up some space. I don't know if it's Mark Henry Fleury, uh, based on no no move clauses and whatnot. If it's uh, if it's somebody up front. But if you, you get a hold of Ronnie Francis and you go, hey, uh, I know you're going to run short of these kind of guys and you got some caps, you got some cap to spend, I'll give you this guy for a couple of second rounders. You're going you're gonna to end up with a busload of picks. I need a couple of picks for the future and I need to get rid of this guy's salary. Do you want him? He's got a year left at five and a half million. Then everybody's happy and Vegas moves a – that Vegas moves a guy that they wouldn't have otherwise moved. And I know they need all the help they can get right now. Right. Poor Vegas. Being at the and top of the league every year and a president's trophy candidate every year, apparently isn't really tough and they need the safe space to be able to, to deal with that. You know, you gotta love, we are in the world of safe spaces, apparently. Yes. Safe space is very important. I, we've, uh, you know, it's easy to look down the roster and see the questions, but there are so many moving parts on every one of those 29 teams, 30 teams, I guess, that, uh, you know, save for the guys, like, like I said, maybe Detroit and a couple of others that are really struggling, Anaheim, uh, you know, it's, it's not going to be as complicated for them. But everybody else has got to do, they've got to look at trades and cap and, and re-signings and who can I move for, for what before we get to the exposure and the expansion deal. So anyway, I loved it this week. What are we doing next week, Evan? Good discussion. Um, well, uh, not a whole lot of junior stuff to talk about anymore, especially with the announcement that um, BCHL isn't going to have a playoffs. Yeah. Everything's shut down. WHL's down. So yeah. Um, it would be, um, and if one day we, we find ourselves on the United States side of the border, it might be easy to have these discussions given that the USHL has had a season and right. things like that. Um, but in terms of uh, discussions, yeah. I got I a suggestion for you What's I can to our, uh, to our local goaltending expert who just happens to be in town uh, and see if he's available next week. We can have a goaltending guest on and discuss uh, keepers, not just in development, but around the league and, and how that effect affects the playoffs and the expansion and, and, uh, and everything like that. Let's have a, let's have a goaltender discussion. Now we may have to, we may have to use subtitles 
uh, or something. Can you do that when you're only audio? Because I, I don't know if everybody can translate Goalie Speak or not. Goalie Speak. And depending on how riled up he gets, we may need a bleep button. <laughs> we, we can cross that bridge when we, when we get yeah. there. But, I'll, I'll uh, see what we can do. I'll, I'll work that out and get back to you. So, but no, that sounds good. Um, Great stuff this we definitely week. Do that. Um, but yeah, it was good discussion. Good to finally have the expansion draft discussion as we are now, how many days? What? Less than a hundred days to, to. Yeah, we're down to uh, May, June, yeah. probably uh, two and a half months from the, uh, less than uh, 60 yeah. days or so from give or take from yep. things kind of rapidly moving a little bit. So. Yep. Yeah, it's going to be a few, as of right now, there's fewer than 10 games left for just about everybody uh, in the regular season in the NHL. And uh, and then the playoffs start, which is going to be spectacular because of that closed up format. Uh, and it's going to be great fun. But let's, uh, let's do have a goalie discussion if we can make that work next week. And uh, sign off for me, will you? Tell everybody cheers. Yep, I will. I'll sign off for you and we'll get that done in the, in the outro. Good episode this week, uh, expanding on expansion. A lot of moving parts, a lot of details to um, to factor in to uh, the expansion draft, especially this year with COVID and the flat salary cap and all that stuff. Um, but it is true. It is true what we said. Um, you know, it's it's fits in nice for a blog or an article or a podcast to uh, to narrow it down to specific teams that are facing kind of the biggest questions, the biggest conundrums, if you will, per that article. But uh, every team, all 30, don't want to say 31, all 30, because Vegas is exempt. Self-explanatory reaction there. Um, All 30 teams are facing uh, some conundrums, obviously at different varying levels and degrees, but all 30 teams are facing some conundrums and interesting situations and interesting decisions for not only their salary cap moving into next season, but also the expansion draft. So uh, anyway, a lot going on in life, a lot going on with the podcast, a lot um, going on with content, a lot uh, changing and moving and all that stuff. So um, to my wonderful father, uh, who has joined me on this journey for this podcast um i appreciate it and i appreciate you joining via zoom week in and week out as we are not to be able to be in person as of right now Um, that way we can continue to bring what i deem to be quality hockey content so thank you again for joining on zoom this week Um, I look forward to it again next week, and I look forward to being in person in studio again here in the very near future. Um, Yeah, so forgive me for saying um a lot uh, as I figure things out, but head to the necessary social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, as I mentioned in the intro, Warm the Hockey Podcast, at Warm the Hockey Podcast, respectively. Like and follow us there. Engage with us. Share stories. uh, Ask questions. Anything that you're curious about, anything that you uh, feel you want to include, anything like that, heartwarming stories, uh, tales of leadership, uh, anything hockey media-wise, movies, anything like that, share with us, engage with us. We love to hear it all, we want to hear it all, and uh, we'd love to give you a shout-out and all the necessary um, ins and outs of making sure that you are appreciated as a listener and a fan, and you're content and your contribution does not go unnoticed so we appreciate it and we hope that you engage with us and can 
continue to engage with us as we hope. And head to Apple Podcasts and Spotify, subscribe, rate, and review. All three are big. The rating and the review help us climb the charts on those platforms. It's really, really big so we can continue to grow and can continue to put out the necessary content that we hope and truly believe that you all enjoy. So, a lot to look forward to in the coming week and weeks, plural. So, enjoy it, settle in, and we will see you all throughout the hockey community. Cheers.